The coolest way to start your weekend. You are now tuned in to this week's episode of our podcast. Today we are going to interview some of the greatest and most influential minds in our field. By sharing our collective expertise, we will show you how to harness, control, and use your own skill set to achieve ultimate success and live the life you want. And now, please welcome your host. There once was a dad who set out on a great quest to find the perfect Coke flavors at his family's request. So he went into a local store and grabbed the Coke Cherry Vanilla, Coke Cherry, and more. At dinner, they sipped Coke flavors and rejoiced, for everyone had made their own delicious choice. Coca-Cola flavors, unbelievably delicious. With so many delicious Coca-Cola flavors and Coca-Cola Zero Sugar flavors options to choose from, you'll have to taste them all. Welcome to the Just Be a Man podcast. Please note, this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Each individual is providing their own independent opinion. Follow, like, subscribe, and comment at Just Be a Man 2020 on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. Also, expect new content every week on your favorite podcast app, including iTunes, Spotify, or Amazon Music Podcast. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and guests of Just Be a Man 2020 and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Five Nights Media, LLC, and its subsidiaries. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Stefan DeVille, leading today's discussion. Right now we have Chuck, Wayne. Hey. Yo, what's good? And Charles. Hey, what's happening? Not much. Well, you know, we're waiting on Mike to dial in. Um, I understand that uh, he may be in some heavy traffic up there in the Connecticut area. He's so he, he, he running short. Is that what you said? He's running short on time. Uh, okay, okay. He can't reach the computer? Is that what you said? <laughs> you got to pull out the step stool. Okay, his, so his chair was, you know, reduced down or something? Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah. I, not okay. me, man. Okay, all right, all right. Well, anyway... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you know, uh, if you're late, you're going to be the butt of jokes. That's it. Pun intended. That's it. Yes. All right. So today we're going to talk about something that um, we sat around last Sunday. It was just, you know, having an admin meeting. And we were just thinking about, you know, what if we had our own? What if we had what we're going to call tonight our own Black Utopia? Okay. Now, in the past, in, in the United States, we have had our own almost utopias. For example, Seneca Village 
which was um, in the heart of Manhattan in, in New York City, was a, a, our own black um, area, predominantly owned by African-Americans. And their property was converted, or let's just call it a spade what it is, into Central Park. They were kicked out and they created Central Park. And this is in 1858, just before the Civil War. Then let's talk about Wilmington, North Carolina, off the coast of North Carolina, southern portion, an actual vital area to um, shipping. Mm -hmm. In 1898, there was an insurrection, or also known as a massacre, carried out by uh, white supremacists. As you know, the insurrection has been characterized as a coup d'etat, the violent overthrow of a duly elected government by a group of white supremacists. So once again, after the Civil War, we own a major port city and it was run by us and we were kicked out. Then we look at almost 100 years ago this year um, in May 31st and June uh, 1st of 1921, the Tulsa race uh, massacre or the Tulsa race riot. Mm -hmm. You know, basically... um, Mobs of white residents, many of them deputized and given weapons by city officials, attacked black residents and businesses of the Greenwood District in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It has been called the worst incident of racial violence in American history. The attack carried out on the ground and from private aircraft destroyed more than 35 square blocks of the district, at the time, the wealthiest black community in the United States. So, in the past, we have had our own utopia. We've had our own piece of the pie. We've had our almost Wakanda without the planes, hmm. you know, and, and, you know, single minutes, you know, where we were thriving. We weren't bothering anybody, but uh, the notion that we had our own bothered others. Yep, absolutely. So what we want to do today, and we're going to have a free-for-all discussion. Um, I have some questions, but, you know, when we get together as a group of guys, when we don't have scripted questions, I mean, we really talk off the dome, no pun intended. So, you know, just to get just to get things started, I will throw a question out there. And then, fellas, let's free for all. Let's talk about it. You all know, right. all right. So, Chuck, what do you, we need to do to create our own utopia, you know, our own um, potential utopia here in America? Oh, uh, that, that's a loaded question. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of layers to that. I mean, the first and foremost is, I, you, you hear this all the time. You know, we need to come together. Well, that's true. We need to come together. There's strength in numbers. Um, we need to understand our worth as Black people, our worth in dollars. Um, he, he, here's a, he, an interesting thing uh, I heard someone say just today, I believe. If we mobilize and decide to come together and we, you know, we, we're out. You said you want us to leave. We're leaving. We got some land somewhere. We're we're now mobilized as a people and we're leaving. They're not going to let us leave. You realize that? Once they real, if we try to take our economic dollars, they're not going to let us leave. Um, You know, people talk about reparations. They will pay us to stay. You know, um, I mean, and I I really believe that. Um, So, you know, the... what it's going to take for us to, well, in my opinion, what it's going to take for us to um, really 
you know, we need to mobilize as a people and we need to gather our economics and we need to, um, you know, we, we can do it. We can, we can form our own, I believe. Um, are they going to fight us? Yeah, they're going to fight. They're going to fight. That'll be the biggest fight ever. Um, because that's, that's really their biggest fear is us coming to power or us, you know, rising up. And the, the fear is we're going to rise up and we're going to kill everybody. Well, that's that all. That's happened, always been the fear. Yeah, yeah, but if that hasn't happened in 400 years, I mean, come on. Um, and quite frankly, we, they, you know, they, we're labeled as a violent race. If we were violent, if we were truly as violent as white people say we are, white people would be extinct. That's correct. I mean, it, it just—they'd be extinct. Uh, Dio Hughley said it best. The 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 place. The, the, you've heard the saying, well, we, where we reside, the most uh, dangerous place we reside is in the imagination of a white person. You know, and that's that. So we need to come together as a people. We need to, you know, we've always said that is true. We need to do that. Economically, we need to come together. Um, and then there's just a whole host of other things we need to do. Uh, it's not just for now, it's the generations. We need to start things now to in, enforce things for the, you know, generationally. It's, so it's it's a multi-layered thing, man. It's it's and look, I am not scholarly enough to uh, even delve into that, but you know that's my take on it. Okay, no, I agree. And you know, you make me think of the Caribbean nations, um, primarily run by us and governed by us, and yeah, they may not be the richest, but they're controlled by us. Mm-hmm. You know, and what do you think about it, Wayne? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that come to mind. Um, you know, obviously this is Black History Month, so happy Black History Month to everybody. And so we're kind of using a, a, a timely topic. Um, you know, the Black Utopia is a great thing. It's a great idea. You talked about some islands in the Caribbean and some different places where they are governed and run by themselves. I, I mean, I mean, this might not be a popular a popular comment, but, but I think we're our own worst enemy. I'm not saying we didn't have trouble. I'm not saying that they didn't take away what we, what we had. But yo, remember when you did that crabs in a barrel? It's hard. It's hard for us to to do to do things. Um, I mean, I don't want to bring up bad things, but like, just look at Haiti, right? Haiti overthrew overthrew their their French rule. That's that's not you know they're not a prosperous country, and and, and it's it's. Purposely, right? They, there were all kinds of sanctions and all kinds of things to prevent them from being, for, prevent them from being that. So, so I, I'm not saying that you know they just can't do it. I'm saying, you know, there should be nothing. Do we want a black utopia? Absolutely. There should be absolutely nothing to stop us. Will, will there be wars and battles and challenges? Absolutely. But, but what, what you going to do? Not do it because there's going to be wars and challenges and all this other stuff. No matter, just, we, no matter what we do, somebody's going to try to stop us. No doubt. No, no doubt. doubt. I, no doubt. They're going to put monkey wrenches in the way. They're going to, you know, enact emergency legislation, all kinds of stuff, you know. Absolutely. No, no, there's, there's no doubt. I'm not, we, you know, we're on the same page. I'm just saying, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't think we should be paralyzed because of what's happened in the past. Uh, that, shouldn't, that shouldn't mean we can't just, you know, put a group together today. Or tomorrow, I, I was, or whatever. Yeah, I was going to say that doesn't mean we can't make it happen. Yeah. Exactly. That's all I'm saying. But there, there actually, um, there's a movement right now taking place um, in Tulsa, matter of fact, to replicate Black Wall Street. 
And there's actually an ongoing fundraising effort taking place to raise, I said, you know, somewhere north of $10 million to start rebuilding parts of Black Wall Street, basically one business at a time. Um, And then the plan is once you get to one successful um, uh, effort, then duplicating that effort in other areas of the country. And I think um, Detroit, for example, has literally raised their hand to say that um, they want to be next in line um, or something like that. But I, I think of communities that we already have. I mean, three of us on this podcast reside in Prince George's County, Maryland, which is technically one of the richest counties for black people on the planet. Okay, we're not just talking about the United States, we're talking about worldwide. So is there an opportunity for us to um, expand on what we already have in areas like Prince George's County? There are a number of Black-owned businesses here. There's, there, there are Black politicians here. You know, we have a Black county executive, you know, for example. So I think we have sort of the, um, the baseline uh, from which to build. It's just a matter of putting a concerted effort in place to make it even better than what it is. Granted, you know, we live in the United States, which is a, a racist country, but there are pockets where we can basically be safe to say that they're sort of safe havens for black folks. And the question you know, is, what can we do to expand on that? You know, but Charles, you bring up Prince George's County. <clears throat> County and I live in a middle class. All of us live in a middle class or upper class neighborhood. But you realize that there's only one, two high end car dealerships, and really the only high end car dealership in Prince George's County is Passport BMW. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got to go to Arundel County or to <clears throat> Montgomery County or to Virginia to you know to get our Porsche, to get our Audi, to get our Land Rover hey, um, service. Don't, yeah, don't mm-hmm. get it twisted. This is still a black county, right? Right, so, but but so we, we, when you talk about that, you're still talking about services. You're talking about um, uh, uh, retailers wanting to buy into a you know predominantly black county and stuff like that. Um, this is what we get. Yeah, but I don't, you know, unless you're in a country like Africa, you know, for example, that's rich on natural resources, and there is a movement in Africa to create the United States of Africa, to unify their currency and everything, you know, so that um, it can be sort of a a utopia. They can really get their act together. Um, They have a long ways to go yet, but they're at the beginning stages of it. But when we talk about here, um, I don't know if we would be setting ourselves up for failure to believe that we can be 100% self-sufficient and not go outside of our community for anything. I think we just start from where we are. You know, the majority, you know, whatever black businesses we can support within our own community, we start from there and 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 build up. Okay. And wherever it goes, it goes. I think there's an opportunity to create a a, a, a utopia type of of platform, but I don't know that it will be exclusively black you know, so to speak, even, you know, um, Africa, for example, that's rich on natural resources, they, they still deal with um, import exports, you know, from from other countries, right. you know, so they're dealing with people that are non-Africans. And I think to think that 
we as black people can be just totally and completely self-sufficient, you know, that that's a tall order unless we're going back to the days where, you know, you know, again, all the farmers are black and, you know, things of that nature. And, you know, part of it is revisiting our history. You know, Stefan, you started out talking about Seneca Village and and um, Rosewood and, and Black Wall Street. How did they do it back then? You know, were they complete and totally black with regards to the way they operated? And if so, then let's revisit that history and duplicate what they did. So here's a, I'm sorry to cut you off, Seth, but here's just a quick comment is that the reason that in the past they had the ability to do the things that they did is because they was forced to be, we were segregated. Mm -hmm. It was forced to be in that space together. So you couldn't go and buy stuff from this person and that person. So you had to find somebody who could do it within. So like now that we are free (laughs) or integrated or whatever, so those those little mom and pops, they have a hard time. You know, that that little store in the corner, how's it compete with Walmart? You know what I mean? So I think those comp- those businesses did really well, the doctors, the lawyers and everything, because you could only go to a, the black doctors, the only black lawyers, the dentists, accountants, all of that. I mean, again, I'm not saying I got the answers, but I'm just saying that that's what caused it to be like that. Now, once that you can go anywhere and, and deal with anybody you want, that's what people did. You got a little bit of money in your pocket. You went over here because you thought maybe that was better. That's just what it is. I'll tell you, um, to lead into another question, where should it be established? I know right now in Georgia, there's a community, uh, a group of black people bought about 120 acres and they're trying to replicate a black um, establishment. Where in this country can we really establish something of our own besides, let's say, out West, and they leave us alone? Anybody have an idea? And matter of fact, where would we want to do it? You know, me personally, I want to do it in a warm area, but they're not going to let me do it in Florida. They're not going to give me, you know, they may give me some stuff in Arizona, but, uh, you know, the Native Americans may object to it. They ain't giving you nothing, Steph. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. Nobody's giving <laughs> giving us anything. Right, but where, where could we establish money-wise? If we had, you know, um, what's his name? Robert Smith, you know, Oprah, and Jay-Z, who just made a billion dollars on in, uh, Champagne. You know, if they put their money together, besides my 10000 that I could put in, where could we establish, you know, our own utopia in America? Do you guys think I, I about don't it? Think, I don't think we'd be able to do it in the United States. There, there, I don't think there's any place in the United States where we would be safe. Uh, the moment, the instant anyone found out that Black people are mobilizing, they're moving together, they bought a plot of land out in the desert, right? You're going to start seeing people migrate to the desert, okay? Mm-hmm. And they're not going to look like us. You're going you're to find obstacles to us being in the desert of all places. Um, so, I mean, I think our best bet will be outside of the United States, but even with that moving outside the United States, I hate to keep saying this because I feel so bad saying it, but we're black. People think there's just racism in the United States. There's racism all around the world. They have made it just, you know, um, black is bad, right? Mm -hmm. So if we go anywhere to form our own state, um, we're going to have to export, import, export, all that. 
those prices are going to be sky high. They're going to do whatever they can to discourage us. That's my opinion. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. You're absolutely right. um, So what is the solution? I don't know. I always try to think through it towards the solution. I just don't know what if there is a solution. But even with that, um, I can't think of any place in the United States where we would be left to just be. Can you? No, I I can't at all. I I agree 100% with that. However, again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. There are majority black communities right now in the United States that are doing relatively well. Granted, it's not, you know, all on the black dollar, you know, for example, but I think it, it creates the opportunity for those communities to become even more saturated with black businesses, with black people, with black educational institutions, with black hospitals, things of that nature. You know, so if it were to exist um, anywhere in the United States, I think you would have to start with an area where you already have um, African-Americans doing well. They Mm -hmm. already have some money. There's some infrastructure established. I think to expect the bourgeoisie to just get up from their comfortable environment and move out to a, a, let's just say there was this, this grand desert city. Mm -hmm. I think it would still be um, a monumental task to get people to just uproot themselves Mm -hmm. from everything that they have and, and relocate to an area like that. I think what's attractive, why black people move, to Prince George's County, Maryland, is because of what Prince George's County, Maryland already has. Why Black people move to Atlanta, Georgia, is because there's already Black people doing well in that particular community. You know what I'm saying? So I I think it would really have to be around areas that are already uh, sort of close to the model that, that we want to achieve. So what, I'm, so what I'm hearing you say is we need to do what we've always said, which is reinvest in our own communities. When you start to reinvest in your own communities, they just don't thrive. They grow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, ab- absolutely. I mean, now, th- but the question centered around the United States mm-hmm. to be, you know, I'm with everybody else on this podcast. I don't think it's even possible to do it here without there being just major pushback like there's always been. You know, history is our greatest teacher, but there is a significant movement for, I mean, matter of fact, um, there have been African leaders that have pretty much announced that Black people in America, you are welcome here. And there's been an influx or an outflux, depending on the way you look at it, of Africans or Black people moving from the United States to Africa. When you look at the numbers that have taken place over the past decade, it's they're, they're significantly higher. You Steve know, Wonder. folks. Yeah. Wonder just said he's done. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there are a lot of people that are already doing that there. And the people, I mean, I don't know if you've seen any of the YouTube videos, but if you do a little research and find out, you know, how these people are functioning, moving from one continent to another, I mean, you you find one success story after another. I mean, our people are loving it over there. They're loving it, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, if it were to exist anywhere, it would definitely be the motherland. 
for sure. Well, I'll tell you, you look at Stevie Wonder has talked about moving to Ghana, mm-hmm. you know, and th- and this is a man that's been through quite a bit in life, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. he's, you know, and unfortunately he's visually impaired, but his mind has already told him through all the ups and downs and the, and the triumphs and tribulations that Ghana is still probably the safest place for him to raise his kids and grandkids. Hey, real quick before we go, one of our um, listeners said, um, part of the issue is what is more valuable, what you have or building a utopia? You know, and, and, and I guess that's one of those questions of, should I stay here or should I risk it all? You know, cause you know, we're all 50 in our fifties. Mm-hmm. Is it wise for us to pick up and leave now? Or should we just stay here and ride the way? Can I can I ask one question? I, I, I'm going to go to that, Steph. But let me just ask you this: you, before you mentioned some some big names, you know, big money people, right? Do do you really believe, or this is an honest question? Do you really believe that they would fund it? They would fund this this utopia we're talking about, you know, cause I mean, you gotta think about these people who made their money, however they made it, it wasn't all on the black, it wasn't black, it wasn't from black money. You know what I mean? It wasn't all because they were, they were in that community. And I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody on whatever they got. I'm just saying, it's not like, I, I don't know. I just don't know if I see people just saying, okay, yeah, let's go do this. And I, I got, I'm gonna fund the first billion. I would say Jay-Z um, is probably the one guy that's made most of his money off the black community or uh, using the black community to lift his brand, you know, because he mentioned Cristal. And all of a sudden, when they started buying more Cristal, and then Cristal kind of blew him off, and he established his own champagne line, yeah. you know. So, you know, um, no, but to answer your question, most of the money from the black community is generated by working for or dealing with the white community. Uh, Oprah has, you know, she, she had to use the white community to push her to where of she's course, at. Robert Smith, same thing. He had to use the white community. Um, uh, all of our NBA NFL players are using the white communities um, because we don't, we don't own anything except maybe the Charlotte Hornets. I guess what I'm saying, Steph, is let's say that let's say there was a location wherever it was, America or anywhere else, and there's a memo that came out. Everybody, a black person got the black memo, and it said, "Yo, Friday, we all leaving." Do you think that all these high net worth individuals would be on that plane? No, sir. Or be in that caravan? No, sir. Well, I mean, what percent do you think would be? You think fifty percent? Like no, 10? sir. No, sir. Not not the high um, high rollers. Absolutely not. They're, they're not going to leave. Um, Why would they give us their money so we can leave? Oh, okay, and, and that's cool. I mean, we could talk to David Chappelle. I, David Chappelle might support it. So here's, here's I guess here's where I'm going with this. We keep talking about the black community and all that. The black community needs to fund this. Fuck Oprah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My, my expression. Fuck all of them. They haven't done anything yet. Double fuck Oprah. She took her money. She already sent her money to Africa to, to build schools for kids. When 10 blocks from, from Harpo Studios, you know, the, the damn city burned. She, she, mm-hmm. so shooting look, every minute. And, and she has every right to do it. That's her money. Right. I don't, it, look, I, I don't need Diddy to do nothing for me. I don't need any celebrities to do it. If they haven't done it, they're not going to do it. And if they do do it, nine times out of 10, it's a tax write-off. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. They, they can be investors. 
you know, absolutely, which means that they, they would get their money back. But as far as looking for a handout, black folks shouldn't be looking for any handouts from anybody. If you're talking about starting our own utopia, I'm not looking for that money back. I'm investing in us. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and it, so that's just the way I look at it. I don't need any of them to do for me what I can do for myself. I'm, I'm the community, all right? They're good. We're the community. We need to have, you know, we need to bank our money. We need to put our money somewhere, let it grow and invest and start, you know, building our infrastructure from the ground up. That's how you do it. But I keep hearing people, you know, they scream at these celebrities who have millions and millions of dollars. They're not obligated to give us their money once they've earned it. Mm-hmm. So stop. If we're talking about community, it's grassroots. It's, it's hey, it's, 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 it's save your money that you, you know, that you got in the jar up there. And, and that's the money you use to, to start bankrolling this thing. But we're not doing that because we're not coming together. Hundred percent. Bottom line. Yep, I agree. Yep, I agree. Now, here's a question: Do we allow trusted allies admittance? You know, hence potential white infiltrators. And the, for, the first person I think of is um, Fred Hampton. You know, he had a white infiltrator within the Black um, Panther Party. They ended up costing him his life. You know, do we allow white allies to be part of this Black utopia? Anybody. As a matter of fact, here, here's a classic example. Wakanda. They let that um, white guy come in that was part of the State Department. Now, he ended up helping because, you know, he flew the plane and everything. But, um, you know, he, he learned his lesson. Go ahead, Chuck. I was just going to say that that, that that was Marvel. That wasn't real life. I, I agree, but I might as well throw <laughs> it out there. But um, it, it would be extremely arrogant, number one, and extremely naive to, to believe that we could have in 20, let's say 2029, 2030, uh, a society of all black people. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Asians? Yep. Hispanics? Yep. Uh, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, why would we exclude them? Mm-hmm. I think the utopia we're looking for is a space that is free or we're looking for it. Ultimately, we're looking for a just a safe space to exist, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the whole fight is, you know, civil unrest, civil injustice, uh, uh, police beating us, killing us, the whole nine yards. We want to be free of that, all right? So if there are, if we have like-minded allies that are truly our allies, why would we push them away? Right. You know. So that's that's my take on it. I don't believe we will ever, you know, if we were to set out on this path to have a one race utopia not gonna happen but if you're talking about having uh uh you know a place where like-minded individuals can exist from you know hate fear tyranny all this other stuff i think that's possible i think that's more than doable mm-hmm. you know and i think about one area um, not too far from us that i believe and wayne you may be able to help me with this uh columbia maryland you rarely hear about race tensions in Columbia, Maryland. And matter of fact, that's one of the areas where you have the major, uh, uh, not a, major, uh, a strong minority of interracial couples, you know, and, and, you know, it's just, it's, there's no major issues. Now there may be issues out in Ellicott city or other places, but in Columbia, Maryland, it was kind of established that way. Go ahead. Wayne. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying. It, it, it's a planned community. 
and what they did is the idea was that there was no uh, good section and bad section, mm-hmm. right? So, so you'll have your, your, your single family homes, you have some apartments, you have some townhomes, and they're repeated, repeated, repeated. So it, it's not like this is where all the big single family homes are. This is where all the apartments are. You know what I mean? So, so there was no area that was necessary. Now, there's still going to be some areas that are a little bit better than others, but there's no really no really bad area. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it was designed. So, but people get along there. You don't, you don't have that red line intention, I would assume. I think so. I mean, you know, it's like any other place. It's not. It's not a big city. It's not a big town. But it, it's just like any other place. This, this, they got their share of little nonsense. But yeah, it's it's pretty peaceful. It, I, I used to call it Pleasantville. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I guess the other thing is, uh, if we were to create a black utopia, one of the challenges would be state and federal oversight. So in that exact, uh, where I'm going with this is, if we move out west, the Republican Party pretty much controls the west. And they have a problem, uh, they've shown to have a problem with black people rising. That, well- well, Steph, uh, you know, just a qu- just a quickly out west, you know what they do, what they where, where they have their, their little utopias out there. That's uh, they call them Indian reservations. Yeah, and those is not utopias. Correct. Correct. Right? It's kind of busted, right? And all they, only thing they can get in there is alcohol and cigarettes. Right. Mm-hmm. They ain't got no mm-hmm. real economy in there. Mm-hmm. They got their own police. You know, they do their own policing. But it's not a good place to be. And so just because they're segregated and they got their own space, it is not a good space. I, I think that's the perfect example, man. That is the perfect example. And then, you know, you say, well, we can change all that with our vote. Look what they did to them when it came to voting. You know? Uh, so I, I just don't see us having a fair shot anywhere in the United States. And now that you're talking about federal and, and state oversight and all that, that's the nail in the coffin mm-hmm. to me. All right, so what island country should we move to, guys? Uh, it's got to be Africa, bro. <laughs> it has to be. Or or perhaps even um, an area like, you know, South America, you know, Brazil. You know, Wayne and I were down there um, many moons ago. That wasn't me. Yeah, that, yeah, that was you, bro. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but we were there, you know, with our wives. Um, but the community was different. And one of the things that we noticed um, was that there was a bunch of of black people down there you know that were non-natives you know matter of fact we we spoke to one he was a brooklyn police officer that went to visit um and never went home you know he made a life for himself down there because uh the black man especially i can't really speak for the black woman but the black man down in brazil is he's treated like a king he's well respected he's not looked down upon and it's it's a whole different vibe and once you have a taste of that you know i can see why people you know some people get hooked and they don't want to go back they don't leave because they're they're accepted in in those areas so i would i would say that would be a strong potential but i think ultimately we're we're talking africa in my opinion and if I could just add one thing, you know, one of the things in, in Brazil, <clears throat> more slaves 
landed in Brazil than they ever came to the United States. Yeah. So there's a huge, huge black population out there, you know, that have that the African heritage. So it is a little bit different. But yeah, it's it's there's parts of Brazil you you hear about the popular Rio de Janeiro area, but there's other areas that are just almost like completely black. Yeah, but here. But here, he Brazil, is, yeah, yes. because and that's the, that was the closest land point to Africa. Mm-hmm. So you know, and uh, Portuguese was strong with slave trading. So yeah, that that's definitely an area that I would like to visit. You know, I'm still thinking about Belize as I get older and older. Um, you know, in a, the black country, English speaking, uh, Central America, and it's warm, but they just don't have enough golf courses for me to lose balls. So that's, that's, you know, something that's kind of bothered me. But I, I, I do have a question for the group, Steph, and I don't want to, uh, you know, send us too far left in the conversation. I want, you know, everyone to, to have the opportunity to answer that question you just posed first. So the, the question is, um, where yeah. should we? Yeah, where? Outside of the United States. Like I just mentioned, for me right now, my thought pattern is Belize um, because it, it's a black owned. Well, it's not a black owned, but it's a black led government. And uh, it's in Central America. They do speak English. Uh, matter of fact, that's the main language. And that's a potential place. My other alternatives is if I could afford it, um, you know, the, the Virgin Islands, the U.S. Virgin Islands or St. Lucia. You know, those are places I would love to establish myself later on because we're in charge. So I think it's a great question. And I, so my first comment would be, if I had to pick a place, it would be somewhere in Africa. I've never been on the continent of Africa, so I can't really speak to a lot of it uh, or any of it really. But I think that would be an appropriate place um, but I, I think, you know, what we what we should do and everyone should, all people of color should do is create your own utopia wherever you are. It doesn't have to be a mass of people. It can be your spot, you know. So like Steph, you just, what made me think of it, you just mentioned St. Lucia, right? And, and, you know, that's probably, it's a really beautiful island and all that good stuff. And so, but you go there, you're going to be real happy there and you establish whatever you establish there. But that might not be what somebody else wants to do. Maybe they need they need different types of climates or they like more mountains. You know, you see what I'm saying? So I, I think that, you know, the ability to go wherever it is that suits you in, in your situation. That's just no, I agree. I, I agree. My mother is, the, she loves the four seasons. I'm tired of being cold. You know, so, um, you know, it, it depends on what suits you. Uh, and I'm not knocking Africa. If, if we were to return to Ghana or um, Liberia or somewhere like that, that'd be fine with me, too. Uh, I would I would thank Africa for their invitation, but I wouldn't accept um, culture clash. If you're asking all black people to pick up today and move to Africa, show of hands, how many of you are from Africa? How, I mean, you may have been to Africa, but what do you know about Africa? You're going into another country, and so now you either have to assimilate to their culture, or now we're forcing them to adopt portions of our, it's a lot going on. So I just see down the road where 
the indigenous people or the people that live there are like, who are these motherfuckers coming here trying to tell me how to, and then here we are coming and say, well, okay, you, you invited us home. You, you, you take what we bring with you. We're, we're, you know what I'm saying? So I see it and I, I thank them, but I think if we're leaving here, we need to go someplace of our own. Where? Don't know. Uh, black folks, we, we tend to like warmer climates. Uh, somewhere outside the U.S., somewhere that I don't know. But we need, if we're going to leave here, we're, we're supposed to be leaving here to start fresh. I don't see that as a fresh start. I don't see Belize as a fresh start. Um, again, culture clash. Now you're, you're coming into someone, you have to uh, learn that culture. That culture has to learn you. It's a lot. If we're all leaving here, we need to go someplace of our own, establish our own, um, and then if we want to start to branch out and maybe, you know, go to, some of us go to Africa and, and you know, you assimilate, but for, I, I, I don't see that being the move. I think we need to establish our own place to, if we're talking about building a utopia, to start fresh and then. But, but at the same time, we don't knock Nigerians and tell them that you have to um, adjust to our culture. I got a Nigerian next door to me and, and, and he's. What? Yeah, but I'm just right. But 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 millions and millions of Black Americans now flooding a country. So now you're talking about us coming over there, bringing all of our American bullshit that they're not necessarily accustomed to. Hmm. So when that your Nigerian neighbor moved here, he moved here with the expectation of it's just me in this country. I I have to kind of learn their way, Hmm. you know. But if a million or millions of black people are moving to, to Africa at their invitation, say, hey, we're giving you land, this and the other, we're coming with expectations. You know, we're, we're bringing our stuff with us. Um, and there's going to at some point, there's going to be a clash of cultures. So and that's not to, to say we can't manage it and that it's going to be uh, bad or awful, but it, it, it just is what it is. Um, there's going to be a learning curve. So having said that, start fresh establish our own base, you know, because, you know, we've got, you know, we, we're, we're leaving here with still American values. So, in, you know, in, in American ideals. So that's what we, we take with us. And we, we start up wherever we are. And then those who decide, hey, I want to branch off, that's, that's what we do. But that's, my, that's what I would do. Okay. All right. Valid point. Charles or Wayne, do you have anything to that? I think we might need to go to the moon. <laughs> yeah, just can't gotta find some water and uh you know heat the place because it's cold on the moon. Hey, well, you know, <laughs> one of the things that led to this conversation was um a previous conversation that we had. And I think that we perhaps need to talk a little bit about that. Um because one of the things that we were referencing was what if the United States of America had lived up to its promises to black folks. And we got that 40 acres and a mule. Hmm. What if our folks were able to benefit from their inventions? You know, the brother that invented the, you know, Jack Daniels whiskey, you know, the, 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 the brother that invented the the telephone. I mean, just so on, so many different things, so many contributions that we made. What if they never burned Black Wall Street to the ground? 
or, or, or Rosewood or Seneca Valley? What, what if those areas were uh, just left alone and were uh, allowed to thrive? I Where think, would we be as a people? I think white people's greatest fear would have been realized. Um, so you think we would have massacred them? No, no. I think we would. That's their fear, though. Well, <clears throat> true. Let's say their other fear. Their other fear of not being in power. That's, you know, Correct. white people, their, their, their thing is power. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> but, and, and that's it with them. You know, it's, 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 you know, they call it white supremacy for a reason. Uh, because they, they feel like they're superior to us. When, in fact, Almost everything they have is because of us. You started, list, you were, you know, started listening to the names of, of various inventions. If we really tapped into the inventions and, and, and what makes this world go round, it's us. So um, that I think if that, you know, none of that had happened, the landscape of um, not just the, the United States, but the world would be vastly different. Um, I mean, just going back into our history, I mean, just where we come from. Come on, man. I mean, we're the original mathematicians. You understand? I mean, we can go, I, mean, I don't want to get too deep in it, but the bottom line is we're, we're the shit. Mm-hmm. We are the shit. And um, so, yeah, if, if, the, if the, that stuff hadn't come to pass, I really believe that the racial landscape of the United States of America would be much different. And you say much different, better. <coughs> because they would have had to respect the economic power better, that comes with. Better and safer sooner. Okay. No, I, I agree with you, Chuck. Uh, no okay. question about it. And I think about the inventions, and I think about the fact that uh, um, America fell in love with a black president, and the majority of the white supremacists couldn't stand it. So they, did, they threw each and every roadblock that they could to stunt his growth and stunt the growth of the United States. Heck, you look at the current, um, you know, troubles that we have in Congress, a lot of that is rooted in white supremacy and the fact that, you know, the Republican Party hates the fact that they've lost um, majority. Therefore, they're trying to stimmy any and everything that they can. Now, so, yeah, it, it's it's rooted in racism. If we had that 40 acres and a mule they would have done anything and everything to either poison our land or um, stunt the seeds growth. Um, you know, and, and there's recent cases of those type of things happening. Oh, so. it's a, yeah. There's, there's been a resurgence. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and talking back to Stevie wonder, that's one of the, you realize Stevie wonder has now had to live through this twice. Yes. With the resurgence and you know um, <clears throat> the insurrection on Capitol Hill and the yeah. uprising of white supremacy and all that, this is his second go round yeah. with this battle in terms of race relations. Yeah. yeah. So I can understand his frustration. Yeah. What the hell? We went through this already. I'm this yeah. is this the fifties all over again? Uh, yeah. Come on. And this is coming from <clears throat> a blind man. Right. If you listen to hear him, you really hear him speak. I mean, he, it is is is. I understand every word of, Steve, of what Stephen. I, I understand his feeling. 
But you you said second go round. I'm I'm a little confused by well, the civil rights movement. He was he was young during the civil rights movement. He's he was he was in there. He was there. Yeah, but but we've always been catching hell. It hasn't stopped. So 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 when we talk about second go around, it's as if I'm talking uh, about resurgence. I mean, they've been it's still been here. We know it's been alive and well, Mm -hmm. but it's been you know they've been under rocks. It hasn't been this you know prevalent. We've been dealing with um, you know institutional racism and all that. And of course, bouts of, of, of you know, physical racism and, and stuff like, but now it is, especially with the, uh, it's the introduction of the Tea Party, then Trump, and now, you know, it's on the, it's full blown again. You have the new racism, the new flag is the Trump flag. They stormed the Capitol with Confederate flags. I mean, that's, this is reminiscent of, you know, the 60s. So that's what I mean by he's going through this again. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I get it. But I, I just think about, you know, we were catching hell under Reagan. We were catching hell under Bush. <laughs> you know what I mean? This he's is never not caught hell. It, it, that's what I'm saying. You know, this yeah. has been just just consistent, yeah. man, nonstop. But the, but it, the challenge that we've had people marching through the streets with tiki torches yelling, Jews will not replace us. Correct. Correct. You know what I mean? So, so the challenge is this, the past four years, they've been very overt with their racism exactly. out mm-hmm. in the open. Yeah, they've been emboldened. They've been, you know, their president told them to. Correct. You know? <clears throat> if you see if you see him, punch him, I'll pay for your, your, your legal fees. Really? That's how your president speaks? Yeah. Hey. All right. Well, I tell you what, fellas, we're going to kind of wrap this up. Um how can we create our utopia? Hey, viewers, if you have ideas or suggestions, or if you want to throw some money at it, um, you know, you can just throw it at Just Be a Man. We'll, we'll take all money and uh, we'll start and create that black utopia. You tell us where we're going to create it, you can throw some money at it, and, you know, we'll get a lease on the land and possibly buy the land so we can create that utopia. But in all seriousness, what we're going to do, we haven't done it in a while, and I think it'll kind of lighten the mood is we're going to um, have a round of drop the mic. Unfortunately, Mike is not here. Mm-hmm. Michael Thigpen is not here because he always anchors because he's always got something silly to say. But, you know, fellas, what's on your mind? Um, you know, what, what do you want to get off your chest? And I'm going to start with a guy that uh, grew up in Marinette, New York. Uh, he's always got something on his mind. So with that, Wayne Tucker, drop the mic. Wow. Uh, well, first of all, I want to say <clears throat> I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't know about Central Park's origins. So, but I'll, but I'll put that out there. Um, but I, 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 seriously, what I want to talk about is the fact that we have uh, the diff- the cases that are going on in, in in our capitals today around what happened in uh, with the insurrection on the January this the sixth. Now, the problem that I have with it is, is, is that it, it's, everything's on tape. You know, we're spending taxpayer money, a lot of it, to keep talking about something that is very obvious. I mean, they have pictures. They, it's, it's not a guess anymore. But we continue to go through this, continue to deal with this, and nothing's going to happen to these cats. Nothing's going to happen to these dudes. And it's like, so why are we going through the motions? So that's how I feel about it. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but that's my drop the mic. Lock them up. And just to piggyback on what Wayne just said, 
where else can you storm the United States Capitol and get a pass to go to Mexico on a vacation? Okay. And, you know, I, I'm really, I'm ready to hit, um, well, Tom Joyner used to uh, hit a button called white, what was it, privilege or, remember that button? Yeah, anyway. All right. Well, <laughs> our next drop the mic comes from the senior guy in the group, the guy with the uh, Under Armour uh, baseball cap, the, the chef, the uh, consummate professional, the political expert. Yeah, he's looking around trying to figure out who we're talking about, but uh, none other than Chuck Smith. Chuck, drop the mic. Uh, for my drop the mic, <clears throat> uh, eat your vegetables. <laughs> now, now, you know what? See, uh, actually, my, my drop the mic is, is kind of serious. Today, uh, through the COVID restrictions and all that, I had to take my, my son to get his senior pictures. And, you know... It, you know, just take him to get his pictures. And um, we got home <clears throat> and, you know, I'd send him out, you know, the, the trash cans were the driveway. So I sent him to get the, you know, I pulled him in the driveway and I sent him to get the trash cans and bring them up. And I'm looking at this kid walk to, towards, you know, and I said, damn, where did the time go? You know, my this little kid that I'm, you know, my, this joker, you know, and so he's walking back, and I'm looking at this man walking back at me. So my drop the mic is spend every moment you can with your kids because they're not going to be kids forever. Love them, cherish them, cherish those moments because you're going to blink, and they're going to be graduating from high school and going off into the world to uh, be the fantastic young people that you've raised them up to be. So. That's my drop the mic. I appreciate that, Chuck. And now going to the man from um, Fort Washington, Maryland, also known as Charles Castile, member, proud member of Megan Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated, uh, father of three, but a lover of so many. Charles Castile. Drop the mic. Dude, just putting all my business in the streets. <laughs> I'm saying, I got a busted intro. I got a busted intro. Steph getting bad as he goes. What the hell is this shit? Hey, man, I will take it. Rude to the bros. But, um, you know, real quick, uh, normally I like to end with something real light, but uh, I just want to give a shout out to um, all of my classmates at uh, Friendly Senior High School in Fort Washington, Maryland. Oh. And, um, you know, Chuck knows this, that we actually uh, lost someone that was near and dear to our class, uh, Miss Lisa Lomax. She uh, passed away unexpectedly. She was uh, driving on Route 50 and a driver was actually going the wrong way. Oh. And um, it ended up being a head on collision, which took both of their lives. So many of our classmates haven't seen each other in the past, you know, 35, 36 years, um, including myself. I hadn't seen uh, Lisa in quite some time or her brother, James. But um, the, that particular story and the events that took place um, have really touched the hearts of many of our classmates and, and and folks have been reaching out to each other and things of that nature. So I just want to uh, send, you know, prayers of condolence to the family, 
But I also want to encourage everybody to just continue to, you know, live life to its fullest because, man, you never know from one day to the next what's going to happen. So enough with all the BS that's taking place. You know, we've talked about some of it on this call. There's always going to be racism. There are always going to be problems, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. But just live your life, man, and, and enjoy this thing. You know, we only have this one time around and um, let's just take full advantage of it. Mic drop. Okay, I appreciate it, Charles. Um, and, and definitely condolences to the family as well as um, friends. Because uh, you know, that's a tragic way to um, to lose your life. Um, anyway, my drop to Mike from Stefan Andre Deville, also known as uh, Lieutenant Colonel Stefan Andre Deville, United States Army, retired, all that good stuff. Is Headmaster. Wow, wow! I I did not interrupt your weight loss journey. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh. Oh. I missed it. I missed it. I said I didn't interrupt your weight loss journey. And you and Randy Jack, you and Randy Jackson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, my drop to Mike is the world's richest man, or almost world's richest man. There's there's discussion that he should buy the football team. I'm almost for it because I know we'll have a world class stadium, and um, mm. you know the, the team will want for nothing. That and that definitely includes money, but I really believe this is an opportunity. And Wayne, I see you frowning, but you know, I really believe this is an opportunity for a minority person or group of minority persons to potentially buy the team. Hey, if you look at the National Football League, the majority of the players, over 50 percent, if not 60 to 70 percent, are African American males the actual players and it's time that we have some type of representation in ownership of African-Americans. Um, and I think this is a fine opportunity for a group of African-Americans. You know, one guy can be the majority owner to have an opportunity to purchase the team. Um, Jeff Bezos could purchase it in a heartbeat, but I'm not sure if he's interested in football. You know, and I'm not sure if that would be a wise investment of his time and effort. Give a minority owner an opportunity to purchase the Washington football team. Mic drop. Any comeback, Wayne? Because I see your face. I, I didn't know they was for sale. <laughs> no, there's discussion out there. I, there, there, I, there. There may be some pressure on Dan Snyder to finally give up the team. I got $25 on it. Okay. Well, hey, you can buy a couple of shares in the football team. Yeah, because uh, that's that's about what they're worth right now, twelve dollars and twenty five cents a share. On Robin anyway, Hood. on Robinhood, yes, yeah. yes, and actually they're not on the stock market, so don't look for them. There's not a stock symbol for them, but still, I ain't mad at you. But anyway, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, this is our time this evening. I'd like to thank you for joining us on Just Be a Man. You can follow us on uh, Facebook, of course, as well as Instagram, um, Spreaker. Amazon, anywhere that you get your podcast material. At any time, you can also go to www.jbampod.com pod to um, download our content. Chuck, you had a quick shout out? I was just going to point it towards YouTube also. They can take it out. Absolutely. Subscribe on YouTube. 
absolutely. Not only on YouTube, but tonight's episode is, has already been recorded on TikTok or is in the process of being recorded on TikTok. So, look, we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to listen to our rant and raves. We look forward to um, next week's topic, which uh, we will publish in the very near future. I think we're going to have a guest next week. Uh, but if not, we'll have something out there to, that is good for your mind, body, and soul and gives you food for thought. So with that, we send you greetings for a, uh, a prosperous day and the rest of the week. Thanks. Shout out to Mike. Deuces. Thanks for joining us this week on the Just Be a Man podcast. Be sure to check us out on social media at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube, where you can follow, like, subscribe, and comment at Just Be a Man 2020. We will love to receive your feedback. Also, if there is a topic you would like us to discuss, please leave it in the comments. Remember to tune in every week for more meaningful discussion. Until then, we wish you peace and blessings. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and guests of Just Be a Man 2020 and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Five Nights Media, LLC, and its subsidiaries. Small business owners, is your internet making office tasks painfully slow? Are your file upload speeds sluggish? Are your video calls choppy? You need more speed. AT&T Business Fiber gives you up to 20 times faster upload speeds at half the price of cable. Faster upload speeds mean smoother, less glitchy video conferencing and faster file transfers. Visit att.com slash business fast or call 844-621-FAST to get our best price on our best service. Imagine it, up to 20 times faster upload speeds at half the price of cable. AT&T experts can help you upgrade to AT&T Business Fiber. Soon, you're going to love your internet. Call 844-621-FAST now. Comparison by Telogical Systems, 12-2020. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review.